Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, welcome to another episode of Not Overthinking. Ali, how are you this week? I am doing absolutely fantastically. Thank you very much. Um, it's been an interesting week. Been on psychiatry, mental health placements, seeing all sorts of patients that I've never really seen before. Um, but I really like that thing that we did last week where we read out a, a random review. So I'm just going to read out one of our one of the reviews that we got this week. Nice. Pause, which is the one that you were talking about. <laughs> um, That's a good idea. I'm going to steal that idea for my podcast. <laughs> I think it encourages people to leave a nice review. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag growth hacking. <laughs> yep. yep. Okay, so our review this week is from Emily Grace, who says, I found this podcast around the second episode, commuting on the way home from school, and instantly loved it. It really de-stressed me, completely opposite in comparison to some people who believed it was an anti-anxiety podcast. I actually, I actually find two posh kids overthinking the mundane rather relaxing. I stopped listening a couple of weeks later, maybe mainly because of exams, but, but then I binge listened and caught up with everything. It's actually brought up some interesting conversations with my mum in the car and inspired me to actually sort out my time management because that's a disaster. Anyway, I really enjoy it and it makes me feel smarter. So thank you very much, Emily. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, and if you guys want, want to have your review read out, shout it out on the old podcast, then leave us a review on the iTunes store. iTunes store, is that what it's called? <laughs> podcast store, something like that. App store, who knows? Um, yeah, so thanks for the reviews. Uh, today is a very special episode. We have a very special guest with us. Hello. <laughs> so we are joined today hey by Sarah Dici, which famously rhymes with peachy. And Sarah is an incredible yes. YouTuber. Sarah, for the two people in the audience who don't know who you are, can you uh, uh, give us a quick bio? Of course. Thank you guys for having me. It's an honor. Y'all are very smart. Um, so hopefully I can fit in here as um, a content video creator. I'm not a doctor <laughs> or a brilliant writer. Or, what, what would you say your, uh, your title is? You, are you a professor? Or you... Uh, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just a humble data scientist. <laughs> a data scientist. Okay, so we got a data scientist, a doctor, and a YouTuber. I'm sure there's a joke in there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I I make videos. I've been a YouTuber since 2015, 2016. Uh, I posted my first YouTube video in 2011, and I love making videos about tech and creativity. And I yeah, I I love it. It's fun. I stay busy. And you've got. A and I live in New York City. Oh, and you live in New York, and you've got a podcast as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yes, so I have a podcast called That Creative Life, and it really, uh, it really started from what I was originally doing on YouTube. I did a lot of docu series based on creative people, interviewing people. I started my YouTube channel actually behind the camera, which is kind of rare. And uh, last year, when I was kind of missing those uh, that element of the videos of interviewing other creators, I was like, "What a perfect opportunity to do in a podcast!" And I don't have to spend weeks editing it because it's a podcast, not like a documentary film that I'm stressed out about editing. Um, so yeah, that creative life, I explore anyone from CEOs to artists and how they do what they do. And um, yeah, how to make kind of money as a creative because 
that's it. That's fun, right? Fantastic. And we will, of course, be linking to That Creative Life and all of Sarah's stuff in the show notes. So if anyone actually reads show notes for things, then, you know, check out the links in that. Subscribe to <laughs> our YouTube you. channel. Check out the podcast, etc. So, Tamor, what's our, what's our topic for this week? Right. So I thought what it would be interesting to do this week, now that we have not one, but two internet famous YouTubers with us, uh, would be to oh, sort of explore, explore how both of your lives have sort of been affected by sort of being internet famous and, and how, how uh, yeah, how, how you guys sort of deal with that and, and feel about everything that comes with that. Um, so, Ali, we've sort of talked a bit about what you used to be like back in school and why you ended up starting the whole YouTube thing. Uh, Sarah, what, what about you? What, what were you like when you were younger? Let, let's start sort of uh, primary school, elementary school um, for you guys, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Oh, going all the way back. And I would love to hear your story, Ollie, about being a doctor and a YouTuber. That's just insane. Um, But yeah, I was a big tomboy. So I always was kind of exploring my interests, whether it was playing football with my friends or in middle school, I really got into music. So I played electric guitar. I was in band. Then I got into basketball. Um, So really, my, my first half of my childhood was hardcore sports. And then the last half was really when I started exploring uh, creativity and, and my conduit to video was music, which the more people you ask, there's always a music background, it seems, whether you play drums or guitar, you know, I see a guitar behind the shot. Um, and so music is such a awesome thing because it's so fun but you you get to a point in your life where hmm I guess I'm not gonna be the guitar player for Taylor Swift I guess I'm (laughs) not gonna tour with Paramore okay cool I gotta figure figure something else out so uh, that's kind of when I I had always been making the music videos for my band Uh, I was always making the goofy high school uh, music rap videos for projects and so when I kind of took a step back and I was like oh I really enjoy this video thing that's when I really uh, gave it a shot, started doing wedding films and the boring corporate videos kind of later in high school in the beginning of college. And yeah, that's kind of like a general overview. And then I went to college for three and a half years for electrical engineering. So that is like a super random blimp on on the life of Sarah Dietschy. But, um, but yeah, it's very random, but I was always super adamant on kind of just going all in on my interests at the time. And I wasn't afraid to pivot (laughs) nice i mean it sounds like you've done a a ton of stuff so at what point did you start getting comfortable sort of putting yourself out there like having your your face on the camera rather than being behind the camera that didn't start until probably like the third year of me making YouTube videos. So my first YouTube video was to sell a guitar pedal that I, I wanted to sell. And it's just me behind the camera of my dad's camera. He had like a Canon T3i. I was like, dad, can I borrow your camera again? He's like, fine. <laughs> um, and it's it's so funny because the early days of the DSLRs, I'm sure you guys can relate if you got into it, you know, seven years ago. It was such a cool thing to, you know, turn on, well, you didn't turn on manual focus. There wasn't autofocus. How crazy is that? <laughs> but it was so cool to like fade like blur into shots. So so if you watch my first video, it's like all blurry, 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 focus. And then like half of it is blurred. You know, that was the thing you did for B-roll shots. It's like blur to non-blur. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it took me a while to get comfortable. My, my first videos are so cringy. 
The uh, the blurring thing is hilarious. I, I think it was about seven years ago that I first got a DSLR and I started dabbling in like filmmaking. And it, it, it's exactly yeah. as you say, like all this B-roll of like blurring and then going into focus and blurring again. It was... I'm like, <laughs> why was that such a big thing? Yeah. Um, so what, what made you want to start sort of putting yourself in front of the camera? I think it was... I mean, honestly, so... Maybe I can back up. In terms of YouTube, I was kind of shy, but when it came to school projects, all of my friends were in front of the camera, so that made it super easy. We did really cheesy. We would take like a uh, like a Nicki Minaj song, and I would change the lyrics to uh, lyrics that have to do with economics. And <laughs> so we would do super bass, but it's called the Law of Supply and Demand. Um, and then it would be me and my friends in front of the camera, just goofing around and like pretending like we're in music videos. So in middle school and high school, it was fun, just because I wasn't posting it to the internet, but I got to show like you know my twenty classmates try to press them so it wasn't until I was like oh, okay people are actually viewing this and there's something to YouTube where there people are connecting with personalities and I didn't really think of it too hard I just saw the other people who I was watching I enjoyed their videos and they were in the video so okay this is interesting let's let's try this so um it started very very minimal it would be like half b-roll and then at the end I'd be like hey guys what's up I I hope you enjoyed this video and it's so funny looking back because I just you really have to give 150% in order to come off as your normal self. I, I think it's so funny when in videos, if I'm like really on and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm just like my normal, excitable self, people will think I'm like on drugs or I'm high or something. I'm like, <laughs> you guys don't understand. This is like how I really am. So on those, those rare moments where you get to show that to the internet, it's fun to see people's reactions because it is hard when you, when you put a camera in front of yourself, you kind of, you go, you go into yourself a little bit, you get kind of a little bit more shy and a little bit more like, you know, so. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Like I found that occasionally when, when people ask me about a topic that I've made a video about. So like I had a friend ask me the other day, you know, what books would you recommend that have changed your life? And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> you know, I've made a video called Three Books That Changed My Life. And I started talking about it. And he said that I sounded as if I was, I was in a YouTube video because automatically I became a more kind of, you know, exaggerated, slightly higher energy sort of person. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the podcast, I quite like it because you can just kind of talk into a microphone, talk at a fairly normal pitch. You don't have to, I don't, I don't know, like w when you're in front of a camera, I don't know if you find this, Sarah, but I feel like I'm very, very matter of fact and like talking in a very kind of loud and sort of rhythmic way, which just isn't really real life. But I hope it comes across as semi-normal in video. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I'm curious, how did you, what was the point where you started to make YouTube videos? Because I'm sure you had years and years of school. You were trying to be busy or I'm sure you were busy being like trying to be a doctor yeah how so, do you find the time so my gateway drug was also the music thing um so okay. i imagine you're familiar with kurt schneider yeah yeah so I've, I've i've been following him on youtube since like 2007 or 2008 or whatever and it was always my dream to be like kurt schneider um for those of you who don't know kurt schneider he's like this youtube music producer guy and he plays like all the musical instruments in the world um, and he gets his friends who are really good at singing to sing covers of popular songs alongside and makes like incredibly well-produced music videos about that. So I used to fantasize about being the music guy and I had a few friends who were interested in singing. And so we kind of started dabbling with that a little bit. And so my first few videos were in 
in medical school because I had a few friends who were into singing and, you know, I'd be playing guitar and we'd be trying to trying to film with like this random 20 pound steady cam that we got, got off Amazon and not really knowing how to hold it and not knowing you have to hold it with two hands. So only holding it with yeah. one hand and shaky footage and all that. So that was kind of kind of the start. And then two years ago, when um, when we're medical students in our penultimate year, we go away on elective. So that's where you go anywhere in the world and you do some medical stuff. So I went to Cambodia and Vietnam to do this plastic surgery thing. Um, and I thought it would be cool to make a travel kind of vlog. And that was around the time where I discovered you, Sarah, and Casey, and kind of realized this vlog thing was actually a thing. And then I realized, oh, yeah. hang on, this vlog thing is a thing. It would be cool to vlog life, life of a medical student, life of a doctor in the UK, because not many people were doing that. Um, and kind of then seeing your videos in terms of how you brought the tech stuff into it, I kind of was thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I'm quite into tech, you know. Why don't I mm -hmm. make vlogs and, you know, that I can make tech videos and study videos and stuff. And it just kind of went from there. And as I think as you start something initially, initially, no one cares. Like I, ha I was getting like one extra sub subscriber every day and refreshing the page so many times. Um, and then I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm now on 82 subscribers. Yes. Best yes. thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then over time, as, as the numbers grow, then you get that sense of momentum. And then it just it, it just kind of kept going from there. That's awesome. And I, I think what people discover is everyone has so many interests that really are relatable to a ton of people. Like, oh, you're a doctor who's into music and also tech. There's going to be a lot of people out there who probably share two of those three interests. And then that's your audience, you know, and then you find, oh, wow, I'm getting views and people are subscribing. Yeah. This is crazy. So what, what would you guys say was like the first milestone where it was like, Oh my God, like people are actually paying attention to this. Like, What, what was like the first special moment for you, for, for both of you? I guess we can start with Sarah. Mine was that first video I posted. So my only reason why I posted it to YouTube in September of 2011 was to sell this guitar pedal. It was a fuzz pedal. So if you don't know about music, it's basically you plug, you plug into it and it makes your signal super, super fuzzy and dirty sounding. And so it was like, a really cool pedal. I was like, oh, people need to see and hear this before they can buy it. So I posted on YouTube. That was the only place I knew that was hosting videos. And I only did that in order to get the link that I could post to the gear page. If you guys know what the gear page is, it's basically where people used to buy and sell before Reverb. They should have become Reverb, but um, <laughs> missed opportunity. That's a story for And <laughs> yeah, another time. <laughs> um, and it was so weird because I was like, okay, you know, maybe 50 people will click on this checking out the pedal. I sold it and, you know, it was around 50 views. I was like, cool. All right, move on with my life. I come back six months later and it has like a thousand views. I'm like, <laughs> I totally forgot I even uploaded this video. What What is going on? And that's when I really discovered YouTube as, oh, this is a, like a video site built on a search engine. People are literally seeking out this video that I didn't promote at all to just discover what this pedal is all about. And so I didn't take it seriously until four years later, but I kind of used that as, oh, interesting. Okay, if I have any video projects that maybe people will seek out, I'll just throw them on YouTube and see see if uh, you know people will watch it. So the next three years, four years of YouTube for me was so random. I would literally go to a Taylor Swift concert. I would record almost the entire concert. I post it to my YouTube oh, channel. Nice. I wasn't talking. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think the good I literally, 
ranked up like 30,000 views on Taylor Swift's Red Concert. Sick. Nice. So really, my my first like few years of YouTube, I didn't have any of those moments where it was like, oh, my first 100 subscribers. Or, oh, my first... Because really, like my first 500 to 1,000 subscribers was just from random stuff like that. And then once I started taking it seriously, that's when it became a little bit more like, oh, wait, when am I going to get past 1,100 subscribers? Because when you're actually trying, that's when that's when you start paying attention to the numbers. I remember in the beginning, you could actually sit there. They don't do, they fixed it now. Um, but you could sit there and refresh your page and you could see the views going up. So when I was trying to actually try, I post a video I would get like 10 views. I would literally sit there and refresh, 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 refresh. I would sit there and click refresh until it was at like 100 views. And then I was like, okay, now I can share this because people know I'm dope enough to at least get like 100 views. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's been a journey, right? I can't believe it's been eight years. It's insane. but <laughs> That's amazing. Wow, like my story is nowhere near as cool as that. I mean, <laughs> I just started posting educational videos and then people seem to kind of kind of similar to you. People just seek them out and then you just yeah. get people watching and commenting and things. And the 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 strangest moment for me was um there was a time like a few months after starting I I posted this series of videos about how to prepare for medical school interviews and it was around the time that people were coming to Cambridge University for their medical school interviews. And I just didn't really realize this. So um, there was, uh, I was, I was having dinner in town with one of my friends, and we were in this prezzo, this like Italian type restaurant, and we were just kind of sitting in a table in the middle. And she was telling me off for being a, a terrible friend because I was spending too much time editing videos, and she was saying that you know when I sent you that message, I was hinting that you know I had, you know I I had a problem and I needed a friend, and all you said was cool and all this sort of stuff. And, and throughout this dinner, we noticed that there was a girl sitting with her family on the table next to us who just kind of kept on looking over. Uh, and I had my, you know, uh, gorilla pod camera, fluffy microphone on top because I was vlogging that day because at the time I was vlogging every day. Um, and afterwards, she came up to us and she was like, oh, my God, I recognize you guys from YouTube. I've seen your interview videos. Yeah, because both of us had been in some videos uh, and she wanted to get a selfie. And that was just like, whoa, I, like my mind was yeah. completely blown that, you know, this this like 3000 subscribers at the time or whatever it was translated to people actually recognizing me in real life um so that was like my first real taste of uh, internet fame that's awesome when did you first start sort of getting recognized on the streets and stuff sarah and how how did how did that sort of make you feel yeah it was <laughs> it was so funny because it happened at a panera wait at a what so <laughs> i oh do you guys oh, oh you is this don't know what a, a panera, panera panera bread yeah, it's like a it's a sandwich salad place. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I don't remember which one was first, but it was when I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and this was one of the two interactions where I had just posted a video about Casey Neistat, it went viral. I'm sure that's how you guys discover me. And um it, it was crazy because I all of a sudden went from 4,000 subscribers to 40k overnight, and it just kept climbing because you know this famous youtuber uh casey neistat at the time he only he only had a million subscribers now he's at 10 million but um it, it was crazy because he shouted out my video in his video and at this time that's when he was vlogging every single day so people were like watching him every single day and so the next day after he shouted out my video i was living in nashville and i just went 
across the street to my local Panera to grab my lunch. And this this dad and his kid come up to me and are like, excuse me, are you Sarah Dietschy? And I was like, I was like, do you have the right person? Like, what is even happening right now? Um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we watched your video, like your Casey video. And I was just kind of like, um, okay, cool. And then because Nashville is actually a pretty small town, um, we actually had like mutual friends and stuff. So it was easy to talk to him, but that was so weird. I was like, I, you know, I barely had any makeup on. I had my hair in a bun. I was just going across the street to get my, my uh, sandwich salad combo for lunch. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I was like greeted with that, but, but yeah, it, that level because i by no means think i'm famous um at all even if you have like a million subscribers on youtube i feel like you're not famous but internet fame i always say is kind of the best version of fame or whatever you want to call it because you'll have three to four people two people a week just come up to you on the street especially here in new york since i'm out about all the time and they'll just be like yo the stuff you make motivates me to like be a better person or the stuff you make inspires me to create that is the best like that is so much better than you know if I was like a movie star and you can't walk into a restaurant with someone just asking for selfies it's like a very genuine hi shake your hand look you in the eye you inspire me so much that like I actually just got goosebumps thinking about but yeah it's like it's awesome and it doesn't ruin your life you know yeah, that's something that um, a lot of people have, have, have been asking me about. They're like, oh, you know, what about all the hate? And, you know, if you if you get recognized on the street, isn't isn't that like a bad thing? And I'm always like, no, not really. Because I suppose for you, Sarah, the audience you're attracting is other people who are creators. And for me, the audience I'm attracting is students who want to, you know, get into medical school or people who are... Well, no doctors. one's going to hate a yeah. doctor, no too. Hate that, you know? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's not like we're posting about politics or about, you know, anything particularly controversial. We're just posting videos that are helpful for a, you know, a generally friendly group of people. And it's always very positive when, you know, yeah. people do come up and say hello. Yeah. Yeah, I think the last few times that I've visited Cambridge just to hang out with Ali, he's, he's sort of been recognized in the streets a bunch of times. I remember this sort of family kind of came up to us once because I think one of the daughters watched the videos and we kind of had a nice interaction with them. Um, yeah, it seems like a nice thing from the outside. So there's no like, for you guys, there's no downside to being recognized out in public at this point. Then, I mean, it, it's only in the moments where I'm like going downstairs to get a bagel in my like sweats and just I'm looking terrible and then you get those stares from people and you're just like oh my god please don't recognize me please don't recognize me <laughs> like I promise I'm not this ugly um but even then like who cares <laughs> but yeah what, what do your friends and family kind of how, how do they sort of uh feel about your sort of internet fame and the fact that so many people you know watch your videos and care about what you're doing and so on has that has that been like strange for them my family's just glad I have a job. Like, <laughs> I think there was, I think there was a moment when I was like, uh, it was this weird dichotomy because for three years of my life after high school, I would uh, go to you know family Christmases, Thanksgivings, and I would talk about how I'm pursuing a engineering degree. Wow, that's besides being a doctor or being a lawyer. Great job, Sarah. You're doing it right. You got a scholarship. You're studying electrical engineering. We're so proud of you. 
And then when you kind of just flip a switch and you're like, hey, <laughs> I'm dropping out and I'm going to be a YouTuber. <laughs> that changes the vibe, right? And so uh, even though <laughs> it wasn't, it took about a year to really get to a point where people can wrap their head around like, oh, she's doing well. Um, my, my parents were always... My mom was always good with it. She knew I would be fine. My dad was more of the traditional, like, well, you just need to go out and finish school, you know, like finish school. But I'm like, uh, if you're not paying for it, I'm not finishing school, you know, <laughs> um, like this is my problem. <laughs> and so and so, yeah, it was one of those things where definitely there was some people who had to um, get around to the idea. But I, I generally have a very supportive family. So after a year when, you know it got to a point where like, where are you? You're in Japan doing work with this company. And like, oh, okay, I guess you're fine, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there's no level of like them thinking, again, that word famous. It's just now everyone understands, oh, she has a decent paying job. And if she's living in New York and surviving, I don't have to worry about her. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tame, that's kind of what you get about kind of doing maths, isn't it? <laughs> Where people just kind of assume it's because you didn't get into medicine. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've had any reactions quite that harsh. But, yeah, I mean, sort of, we're, we're sort of from Pakistani backgrounds. And, you know, like you said, sort of uh, medicine and law and engineering are the, the hallowed professions. And if you're doing those, then you're great. And so... Uh, at family gatherings and stuff, Ali always, you know, has a good answer of like, oh, yeah, I'm just uh, in my final year of medical school. Or, oh, I've just graduated. I've started work as a doctor. Um, and then for me, it, previously, it was, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a maths degree. I'm studying maths. And most people are kind of like, oh, okay. And they're, they're not sure. But that's, I mean, that's great, though. I mean, it's like a hard science. You know, there's nothing debatable about it. It's not an English degree. So... Whatever to them. You're yeah. doing great. <laughs> but yeah, Ollie, like, that's a little bit unfair. I'm sure if you're in the same room with him, he's like, oh, yes, I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ollie really plays it up as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I've, I've kind of been, been through that. And then sort of after university, instead of going into banking or finance, which again would be sort of respectable professions for someone who studied maths, I kind of went into startups and now I'm sort of trying to start my own thing. And so, yeah, I know what you mean by the sort of, Oh man, what's uh, what what's she doing? What, is she is she okay? <laughs> kind of yeah. kind of reactions. Yeah. Um, Ali, you've never really had any of that. It's always just been, oh man, you're killing it. You're like following. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's I mean, lucky. The, the great thing about a doctor <laughs> about and medicine a is that you just deflect all of that all of that banter anyway. Yeah, but I, I remember like Mimi, our mom, was kind of skeptical about the YouTube thing initially, right? Oh, was she? <laughs> she wasn't to my face. Uh, uh, I don't know if she, if she said anything to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, is, what is the age difference? Uh, one year. So I'm a year yeah, older. Oh. Year old, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That must be an interesting... Um, yeah, I mean, since you guys are a similar age, is one person clearly like, Ollie, are you clearly the big brother? Or was it more of like the similar playing field and you guys were competitive? Uh, I don't know. Like fr from my perspective, I didn't really feel any, any sense of competition, but I, I think Tamon might have done. Yeah, I, like, well, I, I have a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely felt a sense of competition. Uh, but I think it was good. I think it was sort of a uh, decent motivation for me to try and do well in school and try and, you know, do, do all that kind of stuff. And I think if I didn't have an older brother to sort of 
try and compete with in that respect. Maybe I would have found the motivation to care about these things myself. Um, but it was just like a nice shortcut to like, oh, okay, Ali has done this. I'd better like do something equally good, you know? Yeah. Um, so oh, was- I would hate, I would hate to have a sibling who's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> it would always be like, so whose person, you know, what life did you save today? <laughs> yeah, I'm making a uh, software for financial modeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's what tame startup is on basically um I mean, yeah it's cool too it's it's extremely new stuff yeah <laughs> so um sarah um one, th- one thing i wanted to ask you um so when you get recognized like on the streets by people how do you uh, how, how does that interaction tend to go like what do you say have you have you got like a spiel like is is, is there a pattern to the sort of chats that you normally have with people on the streets yeah, it's usually the same thing that I go for if I meet anyone new. I'm like, yo, what's up? What's your name? What do you do? Are you based here? I'm, I'm pretty good with meeting people who uh, I don't know. I treat it just like it's a person who I've met at a conference or something. Um, and then, yeah, it's the awkward times or are when... Cause I always take it back to when I go up to someone who I admire because like, I actually do it a lot. Um, it's funny that NYC to LA plane trips, you like tend to be on planes with like very important people. So I've definitely gone up to celebrities or actors I've admired or whatever. And I never want to ask for a selfie, but of course I want a selfie. <laughs> so I kind of take that into account. If anyone goes up to me, if they don't ask for it, I'll make sure to be like, Hey, do you want a selfie? Like, let's grab a picture or whatever. Um, and usually 95% of the time people want one, but it's like the awkward moments where they're like, no, I'm fine. See you later. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> like, okay. And I'm like, God, they probably think I'm like the self-obsessed person. And I'm like, no, it's just because I want to be nice. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. So um, <laughs> this story that Tamil told when this like random family came up to, came up to us in Cambridge, I was with, uh, we were with our mom at the time and we were having, having a conversation and stuff. And, and I could tell the girl was pretty embarrassed because her dad was doing most of the talking. And afterwards, my mom said, hey, you know, why didn't you ask her if you, you know, if you wanted to get a selfie? And I was just like, no, that, that would have been the worst thing ever. Because what if she had said no? <laughs> then I would have felt like an absolute narcissistic yeah. prick for suggesting yeah. it. But, but see, yeah. like I always view it as it's always if we have to deal with that embarrassment, that's nothing. But like the people who are too shy to ask and then they get that selfie, like imagine how much their day is made from that, oh, you know? Yeah, that's true. So, that's, that's a good way of thinking so, yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I saw Jennifer Lawrence on the streets, I would hands down be like, oh my God, Jen, I love you. <laughs> but I would never ask her for a selfie. If she was like, oh, you want to take a selfie? I would be elated. Yeah, that would, that would be like the... Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to like compare us to Jennifer Lawrence because we are (laughs) not on that caliber, guys. But just as an example. (laughs) So one thing I've always wondered with sort of uh, celebrities and influencers and so on is that often you see people host like meetups like Gary Vee, for example, whenever he's in a new city, he'll be like, hey, guys. Yeah, exactly. He'd be like, hey, guys, I'm at this bar. You know, (laughs) come meet me. (laughs) You know, that's That's a great impression. impression. (laughs) <laughs> um, and he'll he'll do like this meetup in a bar and maybe like, I don't know, 30 or uh, 20 or 30 people will show up. And I've always wondered what the dynamic is like in those kind of group situations, because it's it's obviously not the case that everyone is just there to hang out with each other. Everyone's there to like hang out with you. And how do you sort of have this one to many 
interaction you know have, have you guys done meetups I did a few in the beginning and I'm like, this actually isn't for me. Um, oh, interesting. Why, why is that? Yeah. I mean, I, as bubbly as I seem in videos and interactions with people in real life, I am very much so a hardcore introvert to where if I'm at a conference, I will literally need two weeks to detox and not see anyone. I'll stay in my apartment. I'll... I just, I, I gain energy by being alone, basically. And so when you do something like a meetup where everyone's attention is on you and that's the goal of it, it's so draining because it's like, again, like you said, 30 people who want to just talk to you and it's like this four-hour event of people just seeking advice from you. Um, and it's, God, this is probably going to sound like the most selfish thing. It's one of those things where it takes so much time and so much energy from you and it's only for like 30 people when I could like go on Instagram and Twitter and answer DMs for maybe an hour and like almost have that same effect on maybe a hundred people. I don't know. That's why I started doing like networking events in New York. Um, they're called Hustle and Why and I invite all of my homies and um, fans, you know, that have reached out to me and uh, I've kind of developed an online relationship too. I'll invite them to these events, but these events are like, yes, say what's up. I'm stoked to talk. But the goal of the events is more of like, hey, we're all like-minded individuals. There's YouTubers, there's investors, there's bankers, there's blah, blah, blah here talk to everyone because everyone's dope um in those situations i'm way more comfortable just because there's kind of this expectation of everyone's awesome talk to me but also talk to everyone so the pressure is off of me but yeah it's one of those things too where i'm like it's also a weird thing to be like hey i'm important enough for you guys to come <laughs> to a meetup with me it's just this weird thing that's i'm just so i'm not wildly comfortable with the idea you know i don't know and like on it like Honestly, as having like a 90% male audience, I'm also not the most comfortable with it if it's not in like a um, like public setting to where, uh, you know, I your, your safety is like never completely insured, which it's like, I know that's like depressing to say, but it's true. So, so yeah, it's one of those things where maybe I'll have like a merch pop up once every two years or something, but um, I like to keep it more of like, hey, I'll be at a conference. And I'm doing a 30 minute meetup at a conference, you know, where there's like a line and there's like a, there's a structure to it. That was a long ass answer for like the most basic question. But yeah, <laughs> there's like so, so many things to think about. I feel like with that. Oh, damn. That's, that's so insightful. Like I've never really done one of these sort of quote meetups, but I have occasionally have had things where I've been to a conference for, for medical students where, you know, lots of people recognize me and then come up and ask questions and stuff. Which is really nice because, you know, I'm sitting behind a table, they're coming up to me, they're forming a queue. That's the best it, way to do it. It's perfect. You know, yeah. you answer their questions one-on-one -on -one rather than have to, you know, do this one-to-many kind of relationship whereby how do, how do, you, really, how do you really navigate that? Um, so I guess... Uh, so what, what you guys are saying is, all right, everyone, form an orderly queue. <laughs> <laughs> Man, these YouTubers, <laughs> it's really gone to their What are they heads. like, eh? Bunch what of, assholes, bunch right? Bunch of narcissistic God. attention seeking. <laughs> so Ali, I mean, you were really in. You, I think it's. I don't really like the introverted extroverted dichotomy, but 
if it exists, Ali, you were definitely introverted uh, in school. And it, I think you kind of wanted to change that. And you sort of made an effort to change that. Uh, would you say that's accurate? Oh, God, yeah. Like, as soon as I got to university, I was like, right, I'm going to get out of my shell. I started watching, you know, those uh, Charisma on Command videos back when they were called uh, Kick-Assery, not even Charisma on Command, and started following all these things about how to make friends and how to be sociable and stuff. And that like worked really well. And people just, like, considered me as, like, a social guy at uni. And like even to this day it still surprises me when people assume that i'm like sociable or like you know the the other day we were at some doctor's dinner and just like someone just casually commented oh you know uh, uh ali's very good at keeping the conversation going and i'm like my mind was blown i was like what no way <laughs> you cannot be serious <laughs> it's all worked it's <laughs> <That's> so funny <laughs> but yeah that was a very yeah, active, well active choice what was it like for you, Sarah? Were you, I mean, it sounds like when you were in school and stuff, you were doing a, a ton of different things like music and sports. Were you, were you sort of yeah. fairly extroverted, introverted, somewhere in between? I was the weird, um, you know, I used to think that I was like an ambivert, which is the middle ground. Um, but I'm not. I think I'm just an outgoing introvert. And I don't think those things are mutually exclusive because um, basically when I'm down for being social, I'm social. I just need to go recharge alone. Uh, so it was one of those things where in middle school, high school, truthfully, I wasn't going out with my friends on Friday nights and Saturdays. I was working as a referee refereeing basketball games and I was giving guitar lessons and um, I would interact and be friends with my friends at school and at school I was very outgoing I mean I remember freshman year of high school um, I leaned into the whole class clown vibe which was so weird I mean like I'm a goofy person I like to have fun but um, that's who I was at school but really after after school I'm just like editing videos and trying to get better at basketball. And uh, I was always just hyper-focused on my interest. And that really didn't lean to hanging out with other people until I got in a band. But even then, I was like only hanging out with those like three people in my band. So um, I've always just been, I've had one or two or three people in my life. And those are the only people who I really hang out with. You know, now it's my boyfriend, John. And we hang out with each other all the time. And then when I hang out with friends, it's to do a podcast or do something creative and I I've stopped beating myself up that I'm not like everyone else that I don't go out you know for drinks every weekend and um it's just what I have to do to feel fulfilled and hopefully my friends are on the same page where I don't have to see them every week for them to understand that we're still friends and I think you know when I have friends that are on that same page it's you know, I, I basically don't have friends who get mad at me for making YouTube videos. So, um, one, one, cause that, that would be a problem. Cause that's all I do is kind of, you know, whatever my work is, that's where my main focus is. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like, I think like to what you were saying, I think putting people in a box is never like the best thing to do. Cause even though I do recharge by being alone, I like put me in a room and I'll talk to a wall. Like I thoroughly enjoy talking to people and that's why I love doing a podcast, why I love interviewing creatives. Cause I love to like dissect people, dive in how they do what they do. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to go back to my apartment after and not talk to anyone for eight hours. So. <laughs> for two weeks. Okay. So yeah. Sarah, um, I want to get a piece of advice from you. Uh, so next, next week or the week after I'm going to Belfast in Ireland for this, uh, power video conference. Uh, yeah. and you, and your friends, Peter McKinnon and Chris Howe and Lizzie Pierce and stuff are going to be there. 
And I've been following these guys kind of almost as long as I've been following you. And I, I, I feel like I want to like fan fangirl over Peter McKinnon and stuff. Um, how, how how do you how do you suggest I <laughs> I, I kind of act <laughs> when like oh my like oh my god Peter <laughs> I love you <laughs> <laughs> Peter was that was that your American accent that was my American accent like oh my god <laughs> very good very good um, well yeah but see you're not even a like obviously you're a fan and that's always flattering but you're also a creator so I mean like literally right after this podcast I'll put you in a tweet and be like yo Peter Chris. Um, look out for, for this dude. He's like an awesome doctor creator. Say hi at the power of video. You know, oh, like <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it always goes back to tweeting. It, <laughs> it really is this like cool place where you can just discover like-minded individuals. You can click on the link. Oh, they have a cool YouTube channel. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, that'll be so fun. And power of video seems like a very, uh, um, just like chill, place to be where everyone's hanging out and there's not really lines or people are like oh no you can't talk to the youtubers right now so um so yeah and again once you have this podcast up too that's why i love things like this because you can be like look i had a podcast with your homie sarah dici that means <laughs> you should know me you know that's yeah. i mean that's my entire career is like just <laughs> leveraging my past collaboration to get the next <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. That'll be fun though. Uh, all right. Final question for you guys before we wrap up. How has being internet famous and, you know, getting recognized in real life and having all these people that care about what you have to say, how has that affected your confidence and or ego? You want to go first? Okay. Um, <laughs> so confidence, I think it has... I'm not sure it has in real life. So, so for example, one thing that I often struggle with is that when I'm telling a story uh, in a social gathering or something, I'll always have this like nagging feeling in the back of my mind that what I'm saying doesn't have value. And so I'll tend to talk quite fast, tend to, you know, get to the punchline as soon as possible. And I know that that's not how you're supposed to tell a story. People actually want to listen. They want to be drawn in. They want to hear kind of some of the details, some of the imagery and, and so on. So... I've been actively trying to work on that. But then when I switch a camera on and I'm, you know, talking for five minutes about a book, I just know that pretty much anything I say about this book is going to be valuable to someone somewhere. And there are people that are going to, that are going to appreciate that I've gone on for 20 minutes about the four hour work week or, you know, 15 minutes about the third door, or, you know, whatever book I, I, I've been reading. Um, that hasn't quite translated into real life. I think it's a different sort of relationship that you have with the camera, just talking to yourself as talking to a group of people where you get that kind of group setting feedback and you're like, oh crap, maybe what I have to say doesn't actually have value. Um, in terms of ego, I think it really has sort of massively inflated my ego quite quite a large amount. Uh, I was I was already fairly, uh, well, I, I don't know if ego is the right word. I think self-assurance probably is, is more the right one because I have no qualms with kind of looking like an idiot on the internet and stuff. And I, just, I, th I think that if, if, if you have like a big slash fragile ego, then people would have an issue with that. Um, but it's kind of made me more secure that whatever happens, I'll be all right. You know, even if God forbid I get struck off the medical register, I'll still be all right. You know, I've got this other thing that I could be doing. So it just makes everything so much more pleasant knowing that you've got this like really good fallback if, if you need it. That video would kill. You know how people make those videos, why I left BuzzFeed? Like why I left being a doctor? <laughs> oh my God. You yeah. would be fine. Great content. You would be A-OK. -okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think the reason why I am where I am today is because I've never had a confidence issue. I grew up in a house where my parents were always like very supportive, but they always, um, play the line of like support, but like being very practical too. And it, it kind of like with everything that I did in life where I, I used to be the best basketball player in my middle school team. I go to high school all of a sudden, like four schools are into one. Interesting. I'm not the best basketball player anymore. And, you know, I had this crazy, that crazy confidence. But then once things start happening, you know, and you, I start having those real conversations with my parents and they can be like, well, yeah, I mean, like maybe, you know, you kind of stopped growing and um, yeah, maybe this isn't the best uh, road for you to take. So there was all, always that, you know, I was in a band and, uh, they they were the type of people if I tried to sing they'd be like Sarah go back to guitar playing like <laughs> you obviously cannot sing you know um but they, they would always really champion what I was doing when I was a basketball player they're at almost every single game when I played guitar they would cheer me on at the shows. so um my confidence really has has stayed the same but uh yeah in terms of ego I'm sure there is a point after making viral video, being at VidCon, all of a sudden I'm friends with all these YouTubers. Um, you you can get in that mentality of, oh, it's like me versus them. It's like it's the YouTubers versus the, the peasants who watch you. And that's like <laughs> such a toxic <laughs> way to think because it's like you you become a YouTuber and people follow you on YouTube because you have these quirky interests that they have too. Like you are not different than the people that watch you. You just maybe took a step, you know, beyond and put yourself out there and made videos, which is still amazing. But like so many people on YouTube get YouTube famous for being relatable. So you can't all of a sudden be like, oh, well, I'm better than you because I have a million subscribers and you have two, you know, like that's such a weird thing. So um, and I think it, it helped to once you start doing the YouTube thing, you realize that it is so uh, it fluctuates all the time. You could have 500,000 views one week and then the next week your video gets 10,000 views. And if you start kind of choosing sides and looking at people differently and being like, oh, I'm not going to collaborate with them because they don't have the numbers. Well, guess what? They might be the most YouTube famous person the next week. And oh, if you were a dick, then mm, they're not going to hang out with you and collaborate. So it's really one of those things where um, if you let your, <laughs> if you kick your ego to the side and you realize that it's just like a bunch of homies making videos and collaborate and have fun, uh, you're going to be much better off. Because yeah, you're not, you're not a rocket scientist. Like you're making YouTube videos, <laughs> you know. That's that's a really really nice note to end on because I think I mean that applies to YouTube very well. But I think that applies to life in general. It's a nice way to just view everything that you know. There's no ego side of it. We're all just a bunch of homies, you know, doing stuff together, and and you know. We're yeah. a bunch of dorks. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, like I started making videos like unboxing cameras and talking about guitar pedals, like. <laughs> I was not the cool person in high school, <laughs> you know? So it is weird when all of a sudden you get attention. But, like, the most famous people on YouTube, I guarantee you, besides Logan Paul and Jake, I mean, you know, they were very clearly the, like, jocks of the school. Um, <laughs> yeah, usually YouTubers were not the cool kids, and that's why they're YouTubers, so. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a great note to end on. So, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure to... Uh, see you on video chat rather than just on video <laughs> 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 sounds really weird 
Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, no, yeah, we're we're skyping for the audience for context. So yeah. <laughs> So we like to end each episode with a, a little insight of the week that one of us has kind of uh, something we've been thinking about or a funny thing we've come across. Sarah, what's your insight of the week for us? Oh, gosh, you put me on the spot. I don't know. What are y'all's insights oh. of the week? While, while I think about my insight of the week. Okay. <laughs> so I've got an insight of the week. So actually, in, in last week's episode, that that was week one of my Twitter journey. And I was marveling at how how amazing Twitter was. And I managed to connect with our mutual friend now, Thomas Frank. And we ended up having a video call yep. and he gave me loads of advice and connected me with loads of people. And he's like super cool, nice. He's awesome. Like decent guy. Um, and now this is week two of, of Twitter and actually kind of vaguely engaging with people and stuff. And now here we are with, with the incredible Sarah Dietschy. So I love it. For anyone who, who hasn't yet started using Twitter, I will uh, tame me and Sarah will highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Has that bought enough time, Sarah? Is <laughs> it <laughs> so time for my insight? Well, I'll piggyback off of you and just say that social media isn't strictly just for numbers. It isn't strictly just for clout. I mean, it really, there are some social medias out there, i.e. Twitter, that is truly, I believe, the last social social media. It truly is for interacting with people. And it's truly for building relationships and connecting and making these IRL interactions come true like wow we took a tweet and now we're hanging out talking and i think that's truly what makes social media great and there's very few of them left so go twitter awesome i uh, i wholeheartedly uh, agree with that uh, <laughs> instead of having my own insight i'm going to agree with both of your insights <laughs> <laughs> okay so our insight of the week is, is all about twitter and then sarah i was thinking so um in about a year's time i'm going to be taking a break from being a full-time doctor and I want to do the whole traveling the world thing. So I really want to come to New York. So I think you and I should get together and we can collab on a Taylor Swift duet or sort of some sort. Because I'm a huge fan of Taylor as well. Only, only if it has to do with Taylor Swift. Incredible. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll be. <laughs> Fantastic. All righty. Um, that's it for this week. So Sarah, thanks so much. It's been great to, great to chat. Where can people follow you on Twitter? What's your username? Yeah, so I am Sarah Dietschy everywhere. S-A-R-A diet S-C-H-Y. And then, yeah, my podcast is called That Creative Life. So you can search that anywhere. But yeah, this was such a good chat. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week, hopefully. Take care.